You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Locked and Loaded. I am Roger B., and you're listening to America's Web Radio. And today we're going to talk about guns, weapons, firearms. Oh. Okay. Gotcha. We're going to talk about guns, weapons, firearms. We're going to talk about politics related to guns, weapons, firearms, and accessories related to guns, weapons, and firearms. So basically this show is about guns, weapons, and firearms. Now, on occasion we do come up with something else, but that's what we generally stick to. Sporting events involving guns, weapons, and firearms. The first thing I want to bring up today is my home state of Georgia. Our governor did a great thing. He signed a Shooting Sports Month proclamation. He was basically honoring the thousands of jobs that uh, the shooting sports provide and the money, the $20 million in excise tax funding that sportsmen provide. Because every time you buy a weapon, there's an 11% excise tax, which goes toward conservation of hunting areas, building of uh, shooting ranges, public shooting ranges, and things like that. So... This is actually a very good thing that he did. He just basically signed something to recognize the millions of Georgians who hunt and shoot recreationally and help provide all this money to help provide to make things easier in the state of Georgia for shooters. Because Georgia generally is a, I guess you could say, a more shooter-friendly state than some other states. So I like to be proud of that, and that's one reason why I stay here. I start thinking about moving somewhere, and I go, oh, can't take this gun, can't take that gun, can't take the other gun. And then I even think, oh, I have a family in California, and he can't even get ammo without an ID and a and a, some sort of a, a card. In fact, that was something that actually ended up being a, I guess you could say, um, inconsequential bad thing to happen as best I can think of in the ammo restrictions in California. Oh, California. Hey, Roger. Yes. I have a listener question, and this is a good Uh one. Um, What happened or what is going on with the Hearing Protection Act? Do you know anything? So far, nothing. And, well, one thing that really pushed it into a setback is the last shooting with the guy who went into the... uh, the government office and shot people had a 45 with a suppressor on it. Ah. So, of course, mm. you know, that might make a difference in what people believe or what they think is going to be an issue. Although it didn't really make anything any more deadly or any more dangerous or make his shooting, you know, any more accurate, any easier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was still doing it. But mm. it, even with that shooting, there have been three instances since 1934 of people using a Class three weapon, which is a suppressor, fully automatic weapon, short barrel rifle, in a crime. So three instances since 1934. You do the math. That's not even one every two decades. So this listener said, Roger, that he thinks everyone wants to know when they can get suppressors over the counter. Uh-huh. What is your opinion there? You know, I started to say, you, this is a prime example of... What he bought on the street. He didn't go through the process of getting a suppressor that takes up to a year, six months, a year. Right, six months, nine months to get. You know, it's it's the old thing. If the crooks want to get it, they're going to get it. Oh, yeah. There was a study out just recently. Over 80% of all gun crimes are committed with illegally obtained weapons. 
I rest my case. There you go. I mean, the statistics back you up there, so you can't really say much about that. That's right. But, yeah, that that did push a setback on things. But still, three instances since 1934, which I'm going to have to figure out how many years that is quickly here. Let's see. Uh, About 80 years. In 80 years, there's been three cases. And one of those cases was a law enforcement official. So, you know, we we trust them with fully automatic weapons and suppressors, and he abused one of those somehow. So I don't know all the details. I haven't looked them up, but they are there, and there's only three of them. And this last one that just happened was number three. So it's not something that's a a big crime issue, but the Democrats would have you think every gang member is popping people off with suppressors left and right Mm -hmm. in every Walmart across the country. Holding it sideways and tilted. Because that's how it comes out of the box. that's how it comes out of the box. (laughs) So, Roger, we have a very astute listener right now who's trying to get me to tell people how to make a suppressor, but we're not going to do that on the air. No, 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 no. It's, you know, it's funny. Most of the weapons, the fully auto automatics, the suppressors, all this stuff can be easily made by somebody at home if you wanted to. But the thing is, most legal gun owners are not going to put themselves in that situation. Like I said, they had the issue in Kansas where the state of Kansas actually said, we're not going to abide by the gun control laws of 1934 because we think they're unconstitutional. As long as you keep it within the state, it's not violating the interstate part of this particular law. And that didn't work out so well. There was a guy manufacturing his own suppressors and selling them. They were marked made in Kansas for use in Kansas only. And one guy got so excited, he bought one. He went and shot it, took some videos, put it on YouTube, and he got a visit from the ATF. He got arrested. The guy who made the suppressors got arrested, even though the state law said they could do this. They had the state law on their side. Now, of course, I don't believe the state stepped up and helped them with any legal costs when it came to this. And in the end, they went all the way to, I don't know if they got to the Supreme Court. I don't think so. But they got to a a district court, and they came up with a fine of like 800 bucks. which if you know anything about Class Three weapons, usually the minimum fine is $10,000. So they let them off really light. Because I guess they didn't want it to go any further, so they kind of negotiated it down to where it wouldn't be too distasteful. And I don't know, I don't believe they lost their gun rights either, because there was some discrepancy over the state law. So that's that's always an issue when you're dealing with state law versus federal law, and I'm going to get into that big time in a few minutes when it comes to marijuana. But right now we're talking about California and their new ammo restriction ID business they're doing. California should rename their motto the Restriction State. (laughs) Lots of sunshine, but it will bake your brain and you won't be able to think straight. (laughs) So there's a place called Needles, California. Now, this is not San Francisco. If you're thinking about needles strewn all over the street, no, this is not the same sort of place. This is a city out in the middle of the desert. It's a small town right on the California-Arizona border. Now, they made some news recently because of a decision by their city leaders to declare their city a a Second Amendment sanctuary city. So I guess they're going to not abide by California state laws. But then again, they found out, you know, a lot of these gun owners would rather shop in Arizona and provide money to shops and all that give them, that uh, support their, their Second Amendment rights. But now with the new law going into effect where you have to we are not allowed to bring ammo in from another state. So this kind of shut down ammo sales from Arizona bringing it back to California. 
and you can't have it shipped directly to you. So apparently, in Needles, California, there is no FFL dealer who's qualified to transfer ammunition. In fact, the nearest dealer to be able to transfer ammunition in California to Needles is 140 miles away. Hmm. So they have to drive 280 miles to buy a couple boxes of ammo legally. Imagine if you had to drive that many miles to get, oh, I don't know, your free speech. or. Uh, Imagine if you have to drive that far to get your welfare check. Your welfare, that's a <laughs> you know, Or your food stamps. Hey, that's not a bad idea. Get your EBT card. have to drive 280 miles. Oh, it would I, be an outrage. Oh, it would be a to- That would be changed. The, uh, the racism. Uh, uh, oh, after, yes, yes, racist. After they called it racist and racism, <laughs> they would change that in a heartbeat. Um, hey, real quick before you move on, Roger, okay, another was question, another point, and, and sort of a question from a listener who wants wants to know how come the ATF is allowed to shoot dogs? I mean, I mean, I don't think listeners understand. I don't know that. what they're talking about. It's well, when dogs. the ATF, let's say they're going to raid a house, or let's just say the marshals, or law enforcement in general, in general yeah, in law general, enforcement in general, um, they can. Uh, there have been instances when a dog it does what it's supposed to do doesn't mean the dog was bark- biting but they bark and they come and they make a threatening pose and they took a sh- they shoot the dogs that's right they're really you know hey we're we're here we're dog lovers here we're 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 members of PETA, people eating tasty i mean uh we uh, i don't know what it really stands for <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know what it stands for <laughs> to me it's always been people eating tasty animals but that's a whole nother story well no, i am a secondhand vegetarian i will say that absolutely because <laughs> cow, cows eat grass and i eat I cows eat cows <laughs> So, but that's a good point the listener brings up is maybe we need to look into the, into into putting restrictions on law enforcement for shooting. Animals it depends on dogs. what kind of warrant they have, whether they have a no knock warrant or not. If they have a knock warrant, Which I believe I they have to. With, but yes, right, exactly. Yeah. I think they have to. If the dog is in the house, I think if they're in the house, you're supposed to, you know, restrain your own dog. But yeah, they tend to get a little gun happy. But they have to give the owner uh, the ability to. It's like they've dog. never seen the John Wick movie. Ex- yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> you want to unleash holy hell and you kill someone's dog. <laughs> I saw the meme with Thanos and he saw the dog disappear from John Wick's arms and he's like, oh no. Oh, oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John, John Wick just put took dog lovers to a whole new level, which I think hey, is fantastic. John Wick is second only to Chuck Norris. John Wick, 2020. 2024. Okay, vice president for Trump in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be up for 2024. Yeah. Uh, That would help protect the dogs. But so anyway, yeah, could you imagine having to drive over, you know, 280 miles just to get your your welfare check or your your EBT card refilled? Oh, my God, the outrage would be flowing like a river. But no, the fact that these people have to drive this far to exercise their Second Amendment right, not a privilege, it's a right. It is spelled out in black and brown parchment on, on, on the constitutional paper. It's there. So, I mean, it's just, it's... And it's they're not allowed to ship ammunition in unless it goes to an FFL or approved reseller. Okay, I have to, so, inter- I have to interrupt one more time. Okay. Uh, you got some good listeners today, Roger. All right. So we have another listener that chimed in and said, well, the law enforcement should get extra points for shooting cats. Now, that is not necessarily the um, opinion, the, of, the this opinion of this radio or this broadcaster. Or this <laughs> But extra points for cats. I think pussy cats should be treated with the utmost respect. 
Well, now we're talking about. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stop right. Yeah, there. we're going to stop there before I'm we gonna, get too before crazy. Before we get too crazy. But so 280 miles to buy a box of 22 ammo apparently is California's <laughs> sense is, is is their idea of quote unquote common sense gun laws. Oh, yes. Yeah, let's make somebody drive four hours to buy uh, some ammo. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely ridiculous. Now, I just wonder, of course, of course, they can't really enforce this law. If someone was to drive, you know, 10 miles over the border, grab some ammo and come back, how are they going to know where it came from? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's but yet people want to be law abiding citizens when they can, even when their lawmakers are complete and utter morons. They still want to try and do the right thing. I've talked about this before. If you have a gun permit, you have to be extra careful. You have to be an ideal citizen. So, you know, consider that. 280 miles to buy a box of ammunition. Now, that would make me think that they would stock, if they actually did do it legally, they would stock up and buy as much as they could at one time or have to plan a trip around, oh, wait, I'm going to have to get some ammo for this hunting season. Hmm, I'm not going to be near my FFL for, oh, another two or three weeks. I better, I better buy a couple thousand rounds so I don't have to do it again. But, you know, so they're willing to kill rainforest and burn 300 miles for a round trip to make somebody buy ammo within their state from their special dealer. Yeah, I want them to know uh, they're killing the earth. They're burning fossil fuels because I bet nobody in Needles who has a weapon owns a Tesla. Or if you do, that's fine, but you're still burning fuel, burning electricity to drive 300 miles. All right, we're going to be right back after this short break. This is Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. (laughs) Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. This is the show where we talk about guns, weapons, and firearms, and everything we can think of that's related to that. Even a few things that aren't quite as related. But, you know, so hopefully you don't live in Needles, California and don't have to drive 280 miles to legally buy your ammo because that would be just horrendous and terrible. Now, there is one other thing I wanted to bring up, 
is that there was a Democrat, mind you, or yeah, he is a Democrat. He is a um, a politician, and he's a Democrat, LaShawn Ford, and he has served as an Illinois representative since 2007. And like most of his fellow Democrat lawmakers in Chicago, which I imagine make up most of the lawmakers in Chicago, I don't think they have a Republican majority anywhere within that state. But anyway, he's been typically pretty anti-gun. Imagine that. I don't know. It just seems like the parties have been split on this this constitutional amendment for far too long, and they need to, to, to realize, support the Constitution, do your job, then go home. But recently, he was on a radio station encouraging residents to arm themselves and get gun licenses. This is coming from a Democrat state representative in Illinois, which we all know is home of Chicago, which just has one of the strictest gun laws and highest murder rates in the country. <laughs> they have more people shot there than they do in Iraq, I think, or in Iran. But I must say, they got one of the uh, best Ford dealers in El Paso, Illinois. Oh, El Paso. Oh, so not Texas, yeah. but El Paso, yeah. Illinois. Illinois, called Heller Ford, and that's where I bought my last three cars. Oh, nice. Okay. They, uh, they'll deliver, no charge. Wow. And give me a better deal than I can get next door. Wow, that's impressive. It is. Yep. And that's why I plugged them. Heller Ford in El Paso, Illinois. Okay, everybody, if you're looking for a Ford, you may have to go to Illinois to get the best deal. But this Ford, LaShawn Ford, he decided to tell everybody, and you're wondering, now why on earth would a Democrat representative be out there telling people to get guns and arm themselves? It goes so against their... I'll say against their grain, against their their political direction. Why would they do this? I don't understand. Well, apparently, th- something happened outside of LaShawn's home that caused him to change his mind a little bit. After all, we were all just outside of Chicago, and after another violent weekend that saw eight people killed and 32 others wounded by gunfire, this lawmaker is deciding to take action and tell people, arm yourselves, get a gun, get a permit, you know, protect yourself. Now, bullets from a shooting left a 22-year-old dead in the Austin neighborhood on the west side Sunday. Also found State Representative LaShawn Ford's car. So apparently his car was the victim of some unintended gunfire, some stray bullets from, from a drive-by shooting. And he said, I think it's all the, I think about it all the time. Apparently, this event has, has shocked him into, into the realization the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. So, I applaud Mr. Ford, Representative Ford, for encouraging his, his constituents to go out and arm themselves. In fact, he says, that's why I'm working with a concealed carry instructor, and we're going to go through the neighborhood, and we're going to encourage people to get their concealed carry license because it makes no sense for people not to have the protection they need. He's absolutely right. This is a Democrat I can stand behind, I can get behind, because he understands the truth about guns. Most guns are in the hands of law-abiding citizens who only use them when they absolutely have to. Now, granted, he's been in office since 2007, and it took until 2019 to get him to see this, but that's okay. They say the only thing it takes to turn a liberal into a conservative when it comes to guns is one good mugging. (laughs) 
And apparently having your car shot by a drive-by, a drive-by gang member was enough to have this guy change his mind. Well, congratulations and welcome to this Second Amendment Club. Hopefully you'll continue to defend Second Amendment rights there in Chicago, which we know we need more than anywhere else in the country almost. We do hope he's taken a couple of classes. Oh, yes, yes. He was talking to a concealed carry expert and a, uh, you know, a, an instructor. So he uh, he's dealing with it correctly. You always get as much instruction as you can find. That always makes things easier and lets you do things you can't do on your own. And our government will give you those free lessons. Call the Army. Right, you can sign up, yeah. get four years worth of lessons <laughs> for free. <laughs> I think the Army, the Marines, the Navy might give you a few lessons, but the Army and Marines will probably give you more lessons in firearms than you could ever need. Yes. Now, here's another thing I want to talk about. It wasn't really a weapon, it's not really a gun, and it's not really a firearm. However, I thought it was fascinating, so I'm going to mention it anyway. I don't know how many of you are drone pilots out there or have a drone or uh Use it for recreational spying on your neighbor or whatever you inspecting your roof, whatever you use it for. Apparently now there's a company called Flamethrower, and they've made a Wasp flamethrower drone attachment. What this is, it's a an attachment that goes onto any drone that can hold. I think they set up to five or seven pounds of weight. It attaches to it, holds one gallon of propellant will fire for 100 seconds a stream of fire out to 25 feet. So you can basically turn your drone into a flying flamethrower. <laughs> now, I hope this doesn't catch on in any neighborhood feuds because this could get really bad. But and it's a lightweight carbon fiber attachment, so it's, it doesn't take a lot of you know weight on your drone. Now, even though it's not technically legally considered a weapon, yes... Question? Yes. Uh, how do you light it? <laughs> oh, it has an igniter built in. Oh. oh, yeah. You push the button, it fires the stream, it ignites it all the way. You can stop and start it while it's flying. You know, you can attach a, uh, a uh, can of hairspray or a can of anything. and uh, Right, the can of hairspray, but it's only good for about three feet. This will shoot 25 feet with a streaming, flaming... You have to see the video. It's called the Wasp Flamethrower Drone. I think my neighbor maybe has one and, and aimed at my house. It's entirely possible. I know. Let's let's not antagonize them anymore. <laughs> now, of course, if you do want to play with a flamethrower drone, it's going to cost you. You know, these things are not cheap. Just the attachment, the flamethrower attachment on the drone is $1,500. And then plus, you know, any good drone that can hold 5 to 8 pounds of weight is going to be another Twelve to fifteen hundred dollars minimum. So you're talking about a three thousand dollars setup to get a flame throwing drone. And you may wonder, oh my God, why would they even do this? Well, apparently they do it for controlled burns in agricultural areas, for controlled burns for fire departments who have to burn back brush and things like that. Normally they would have to walk over there and do it all by hand, but with this they can actually fly it over, do it, and then come in later and, and catch up to it later. So, so is there a federal drone fire shooting department now? Not yet. Not as far as I know. Now, I don't even, I don't even know if any fire departments have actually adopted this as a possibility. Well, but you've got to get a license. No. You, well, you have to get a drone license to fly any drone, whether it's, uh, you know, flying Barbies and Kens around or whether it's flying a flamethrower. It's the same license. The killer drone. Well, it hasn't killed anybody yet. It has potential, though. <laughs> 
Yeah, that I mean, it just it just struck me as kind of unusual that you could for for a mere fifteen hundred dollars you could buy a flamethrower attachment for your drone. I thought that was pretty cool. Now, as of now, there's no federal restrictions on it. Now, local ordinances. I don't know. I guess in really dry areas, they probably have laws against burning, which this would probably fall under. So you'd have to watch out for that. You can prevent forest. But not by using your drone in a very dry forested area. <laughs> oh, so now we're going to move to New Orleans. For those of you who don't speak Southern, that's New Orleans. <laughs> A 35-year-old man sitting in his car on New Orleans Street was the subject of an attempted carjacking Friday night, according to police. The intended victim was approached by an armed stranger and demanded the man to get out of his car. Instead, the guy pulled his own gun and shot the suspect, which is how every good carjacking should end. That's right. That's right. There's no... The only good carjacker is a dead carjacker. But anyway, so the police were called to the scene and investigation. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's the way you end a carjacking, by putting one less carjacker back on the street. Now, I don't know if he was killed or not. I think he got fired upon, but he didn't. He wasn't there at the scene after it was over. Now, the guy that shot should take lessons. Maybe. You know, I guess, you know, with adrenaline flowing, though, your your fine motor skills get, get worn, you know, you're not sure, plus you're inside of a car, that's the kind of thing that's difficult to practice. You know, you sit there and practice your draw inside your car, you got to be very careful, especially doing that with a live weapon. I don't know if the window is down or not, you know, it, all that matters. But the identity of the victim... While I uh, pull my pistol out and shoot you? Yeah. <laughs> that's right, you know, if you shoot, you should shoot to kill because dead men tell no tales, especially in a situation like this. But it seems to be a pretty clear case of self-defense, but leave it to the media to botch the reporting of the incidents. The TV station goes, he said something about he did not know whether the armed citizen's firearm was registered or not, or properly registered. Do you think the reporter even bothered to check to see if Louisiana requires firearm registration? Here's a hint. They don't. They don't require a license to own a firearm. In fact, if you can legally own a firearm, you can legally transport in your vehicle with no need for a carry license. So leave it to the news to try and victimize or try and demonize the man who defended himself and his property against being carjacked. They're trying to make it out like this guy. He may not have had a properly registered firearm, even though there was no firearm registration in Louisiana, and he was legally allowed to carry it in his car. But they didn't bother to check facts because that would take too much time. What if they pulled a crossbow? Was it registered? <laughs> Maybe he could have flown his drone out of his trunk and set the guy on fire. <laughs> now, that would be neat, a trunk drone. Just have it come up out of the trunk, just mount your, your pistol and your flamethrower on it, and say, are you sure you want to jack this car? But, you know, it's just another case of ignorant reporters on gun issues because they have no idea what they're talking about. And they don't. And fact-checking has just gone out the window now. So they're sitting there asking about registering firearms that they basically have no idea about. And that brings us to Arkansas. Now, Arkansas, they're, they're concerned because they have developed a new area of town where they're going to have bars and restaurants and they're going to have a you know an entertainment-style area in the city. Texarkana City in Arizona. And the idea is that you can walk around with alcohol, you can go from place to place, so it's 
it's going to be like a party zone, I guess, and they're concerned about people carrying guns. So they thought, well, businesses could, of course, put no no gun signs if they want to. That's their right. They're a private business. They can do what they want. However, they're, Texarkana is considering making the street and the sidewalk outside of these businesses to be part of the businesses because of the open air aspect of the whole, you know, the party town. Now, here it is. So because people are drinking, they don't want you who may not be drinking to carry a gun. Which to me is nuts. I mean, so now you're going to have to have a designated driver and a designated carrier, both of which who cannot be drinking. <laughs> so, and the next you're going to say is that's why. By the way, it's Texarkana, I believe. Texarkana, okay. And uh, Texarkana I believe, City. Uh, that's why they're parking an M1A1 Abrams at the end of the street. <laughs> yeah, because they, they want to show superior firepower. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the best way to avoid being a victim of, of a criminal act. Show superior firepower. Yeah, so they're saying the no-carry signs can be legally posted around these entertainment districts, but would that apply to the sidewalks and streets, which are publicly owned? And currently, you can carry a gun in publicly owned areas other than, say, courtrooms or stadiums, things like that. But these facilities are trying to say because of the nature of the area and the fact that they're serving all this alcohol and there's a lot of people in close close proximity, they want these signs to apply to the streets and sidewalks also. So because people want to go drink and get drunk, you're going to hold it against people who are not going to drink but want to carry their firearms in case these drunk people decide to victimize somebody. Are you going to be fined if you... uh if you happen to wake up any of those street people that are sleeping? Oh, well, if you're drinking, you're not supposed to be drinking while you're carrying a weapon anyway, so that would be illegal. Huh. Now, if you happen to be there, see, that's what they're argu- That's what they're discussing now, whether or not it's legal to limit the carrying on public sidewalks on public streets, even though the... Even though the party atmosphere of this area is encompassing streets and sidewalks, it's publicly owned property, and the businesses can only restrict property, their property. They can't really apply to sidewalks and streets, although they're trying to make the whole area a gun-free zone now. So basically, they're trying to make it into a giant target area. Now, where would criminals go where they know they're not going to have anybody who's legally armed and they could rob people who are out drinking having a good time have some money to spend oh let's go to a gun free zone that would be great so it seems to me like oh I'm sorry I'm Roger B this is Locked and Loaded and you're listening to America's Web Radio and we'll be back in a couple of minutes Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. 
More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around Town Movers for that local or cross-country move, Timothy Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome back. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded. And you're listening to America's Web Radio. And we're back with all the stuff that has to do with guns, weapons, and firearms. And just before we left, we were talking about Arkansas in Texarkana by trying to limit people carrying guns on public streets and sidewalks because of the Front Street Festival Plaza. They were going to have a party area set up, and they didn't want people carrying guns on public area. And I'm thinking, that just if you know anything about me and carrying guns in a gun-free zone... Yeah, you know, unless it's somewhere where it's federally restricted or state restricted, I'm not likely to abide by your policy unless you are willing to provide protection to me that I can't provide for myself if I am disarmed. In fact, that would be an interesting lawsuit. I wonder if a lawyer would pick that up. If somebody was attacked in a gun-free zone and they have a carry permit but disarm themselves because of the business's gun-free zone signs, could they hold the business responsible for their safety or anything that happened to them while they were there? I would think it would be an interesting lawsuit, although I'd have a feeling they'd lose. It'd be interesting still to bring it to light. Well, now we're going to head back to California. Yay, California. They are such a wealth of anti-gun information. This one is a little bit different, though. Now, California is not the only one here. California, Washington, Colorado. There's a bunch of states now that have fully legalized the use of marijuana. Now, that's fine. If that's your cup of tea, that's great. It's not my cup of tea. In fact, my cup of tea is actually a cup of coffee because I'm not British, but because we told them what to do in 1776. We told them, <laughs> forget you. So, But anyway, so in marijuana, if you want to smoke, you can go out and buy it. You can smoke it. You can do it, turn it into a lollipop or a potato chip or a Kool-Aid or whatever you want, and that's fine. That's legal there. However, it is still against United States law. It is a federally controlled substance. Now, any of you who have bought a weapon in the past, I don't know, 10, 15 years since the the 4473 form was available, I believe the second question on there, or no, actually it's the 11th question, or 11th and a half question, I don't know. There's something, are you an unlawful user or addicted to marijuana or any depressant, stimulant, narcotic drug, or any other controlled substance? Now, that's where the, that's where the problem comes in, because legally... By federal law, marijuana is still a controlled substance, cannot be purchased, cannot be trafficked, cannot be bought, sold, traded, anything. However, these states have taken away the criminal 
criminalization part of it, and they have made it legal, so the state officials are not enforcing federal law. But would the federal law prevent you from buying a weapon if you were using marijuana in one of these marijuana legal states? They could. If you are a marijuana user, you are not allowed to buy a weapon in the United States. But you might be thinking, oh, but it's legal. Well, you know, it's legal in that state, but it's not necessarily legal on a federal level. If you remember some weeks ago, we talked about Kansas and their silencer laws. They made the silencers legal for use in Kansas and nowhere else, and they got busted by federal agents. Now, this, the same thing could apply here. If you're trying to buy a gun and you have a marijuana card or you have a medical marijuana card or whatever it is, or they even see you with a receipt for medical marijuana or any kind of recreational marijuana, they could restrict your right to own a gun. Now, let's keep in mind, all the states that have legalized marijuana, they are pretty much anti-gun anyway, so they think this is probably fantastic and fine, a great how-do-you-do, let's get everybody smoking marijuana so then they won't have to carry guns anymore because they won't be allowed to. I just had this scene of this guy... In the gun store, buying a gun, buying a pistol, and smoking a joint. Hey, man, what do you mean this is illegal? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) in some states, you know. Now, I guess that would be up to the gun dealer because he would be violating federal law. And according to federal law, that gun dealer is not supposed to sell him a weapon if he knows he's in violation of any of the questions on 4473. So they could hold the gun dealer responsible if he sold him a gun knowing he was a marijuana user. But that's okay if the store owner just takes a, you know. Takes a toke also and passes it on. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's going to come down to who's going to enforce it. You know, the federal law could go in and shut down every marijuana shop in every western, eastern state there is and put them all in jail for trafficking a federally controlled substance. But they don't. So it's either going to come, I mean, this is just going to make for a big, hot, steaming pile of bureaucracy because it's just going to be a mess. I mean, basically, these states want you to smoke marijuana, get a marijuana card, because then they can tell you can't have a gun. And all these states want complete gun control anyway, so this is just another backdoor way in. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Most guys don't want any kind of backdoor way in. So... We're going to try and prevent this, but it's going to be difficult because unless federal law changes and legalizes marijuana and takes that question off the 4473 form, this could be an easy way for these states to get the gun control they've always wanted. Come on to our state. Smoke them if you got them, and we're going to take your guns away. And it'll be, that'll be your choice, though. I mean, if you decide to go and use marijuana or any kind of depressant or stimulant, you could be sacrificing your gun rights. So so they're going to be actually legislating your right to own a gun away by treating marijuana differently than any other drug. Because any other drug on the federal list cannot be transported, sold, traded, anything in any state. And it still applies federally to marijuana. But until the federal ban is lifted then, you know, there's no way for them to, they have to distinguish between gun rights and federal law and states' rights and state law. It's it's going to get all twisted up. But like I say, this is going to be a backdoor way in. All these states that are anti-gun are going to legalize marijuana and then take guns away or tell people you can't buy guns if you're a marijuana user. Now it's going, that is kind of crazy. 
Okay. Oh, I have another. I had a question from a week ago, and I'm going to try and cover a little bit of this that I have a little bit of time left. Someone was asking me about gun shows. And uh, are they good or bad? And I have to say, it depends on what you expect from a gun show. You know, people aren't giving away guns at the door or anything like that. You're not getting free anything just by walking in. But I would have to say it depends on your experience level. As a beginner, you walk into a gun show just starting out, it's a, it's a bit overwhelming. It's, it's huge. It can be a little intimidating if you're not familiar with handling weapons and guns. As you have hundreds, if not a thousand tables packed with guns of all types, all sizes, not knowing where to start, getting distracted by seeing this or that or the other going in every different direction. The ideal situation is if you've never been, go with somebody who's a little more experienced, let them guide you a little bit, you know, and I always like to run a pattern if I go. And there are certain bits of etiquette you should know also. Like if you walk up to a table and there's one guy sitting there, he's got his guns on his table, he's selling those. I prefer to ask somebody to handle one if I want to look at it more closely. Now, if there's a whole, if now a lot of times this doesn't work because you walk up to a uh, an area and they may have 20 tables and they have four guys working there or three guys working there, so they got four, five, six tables per person working there. Now, normally these will be tied up. They'll have a rope running through all of them tied together or an electronic leash that has plugs along the way, so if anybody picks one up too far, it unplugs, sets off the alarm, and they can look and see. Now, normally at those tables, you can usually pick one up and look at it. These are mostly brand-new weapons, standard production, nothing that unusual or that rare. Because, you know, that's how you want to kind of pick them up, put them in your hand. It does give you an opportunity to see a huge variety of weapons. I mean, they have every possible new weapon you could probably think of. If it's currently out, somebody probably has one at a big gun show. So it's, it's, it's always better to ask permission or go with somebody who knows and they can kind of guide you along and when you can touch one, when you shouldn't touch one. Now, sometimes you can walk up to a table. Do they have the rule there, uh, like they do in uh, antique stores, you shoot it, you buy it? Well, You break it, you buy it, or you shoot it, you buy it? Uh, no, they don't have the dry fire rule there, although most of them are zip-tied up, so you can't dry fire most of them. Yeah, they don't want anybody, you know, accidentally slipping a, a round into one of them. And, you know, and anti-gunners would go over to gun shows all the time, slipping rounds into guns just to cause trouble, I'm sure. Like the anti-First Amendment idiots, anti-Faz, anti-Faze, whatever they call them. Is that what it, is that what it stands for? I don't know. First Amendment? Is That's that what I said it stands for because they try and restrict people who don't agree with them. A-N-T-I-F-A or whatever. Yep, that's it. Anti-First Amendment. Unless they want to correct me, and I'd welcome anybody to come on the show and tell me that's not what they're doing. <laughs> they're following in, in 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 the footsteps of Nazi Germany to a T. It's like they're they're reading Mein Kampf and following right along with it, doing everything he says to do. You know, and yet they're for MS3 that uses uh, machetes. Oh, MS13, the gang. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know if they're for them, but they certainly would use them if they had a chance. You know, would use them as a weapon. Now, sometimes you're walking around in tables, and you'll see a guy sitting there, and he'll tell you, you know, go ahead and pick it up if you want to. Feel free to look at anything. Sometimes if you lean over to look at something, he'll pick it up and hand it to you. I want you to take a closer a closer look at it. You know, because most of these guys are here to sell things, and the best way to sell something is to get it in somebody's hand. Let them put their hands on it. Let them feel it. Now, if you're going to start walking around, I think the best thing is to pick a a, a pattern and follow it. <laughs> go around the, go down each aisle, go down each aisle twice, once down each side, whatever it takes for you to see everything you want to see. 
and I would say, you know, give yourself enough time to do this. And that way you get to see everything there. And if you're looking for a specific gun or specific deal on something, you won't miss it by walking too fast, going past it. And as a new enthusiast, this is a way to get the most out of the deal. Because gun shows can be good for seeing a huge variety of weapons all in one place. Although most times, if you're buying a common firearm, something readily available that's current production, I would say the local gun shop might be better for a purchase like this. Now, if you want to try to handle a few things before you buy it, a gun show isn't a bad place for that. We're going to be right back. This is Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is around town movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around town movers for that local or cross-country move, Timothy, around town movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's around town movers. Call them. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome back. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. And a moment ago, we were talking about gun shows and what you have to do when you go to one and things to pay attention to. And we're going to tell you, if you're looking for a new gun that's that's um, new production, that's a fairly common gun, a gun, a local gun store might be a better place to go. Now, you have to consider all the things that go along with this. I mean, you have somebody to deal with if there's an issue. Instead, if you buy at a gun show, you have to go to the next show, hoping that the seller is still there. Now, I'll admit, once you go to a few gun shows, you see a pattern of the same vendors there time after time again, and usually they're in their, their same spot, so it's almost like you, you know exactly where they are, in which case a warranty issue is not as problematic. And most warranty issues are handled, handled by the manufacturer rather than the dealer anyway except now you have to pay an entry fee to go to the gun show to see the dealer. And I have to say, I had an issue with a scope I'd purchased from a longtime gun show dealer, and when I brought it back with an issue, he swapped it out easily, quickly, no problem, and that was it. Now, the exceptions to that may be if the local gun store is represented at the gun show. That, to me, is the ideal situation, best of both worlds. And the other possible advantages to going to a gun show is you can negotiate a little more at the gun shows, Tom Simon. They kind of expect that. So, 
Now, as good as a gun show is, they're usually very specific on what they carry. You know, they all have they all have all kinds of guns. However, you're going to get the best uh, the best way to find a used gun, something maybe that you can't get anywhere else, something your grandfather had that you remember and you want to get a one of those something like that would be a place to look look at the guns at the gun shows because that's not something you most likely find at the local gun store they usually carry new stuff some have some used stuff but most of it's a little more late model you don't see a lot of really old stuff there another thing is you may want to look for parts because sometimes if you have a part on a really old weapon something that's very specific that you can't uh can't find anywhere else that's something that you want to know is, hey, you know, you might be able to find it. Like, for instance, I was looking for a front sight for a, I think it was an old Remington Bolt Action twenty two rifle. And there was a guy who had bins and bins of parts, and he had the exact front sight I needed. Now, I couldn't imagine going to a, a local gun store and trying to have him look up online or look through his junk pile and see if he had this one particular part. At the gun shows, you have a much more... A varied amount of older parts for older guns. So that's something that you can do at a gun show that you cannot do at the local gun store because they have availability of used guns and things like that. Now, with a used gun, you really need to know what you're looking for. And if you find one, you need to know exactly how to assess its condition and possible problems it can have. You know, and hopefully it's through a reputable dealer, especially if you're dealing with very old weapons. Now, if it's something that's currently available, then be very careful determining a price. Now, by this, you may find a price on one. It may be cheaper than anybody else, but you may look at it more closely and say, oh, well, the one at the gun store had two or three magazines with it, while this has one magazine with it. The one at the gun store comes with 100 rounds of free ammo and a holster, and this one does not. Or if you purchase your gun from a gun store that has a range, they may give you free range time and free ammo. So you have to consider the whole package. What are you getting from the gun show versus getting from the local gun shop and see which one is actually a better deal in the long run because you don't want to overpay for something and not buy it from a local dealer. You know, I'm a big fan of having a local dealer on your side for things like that. Although most of the stuff I buy now is probably more specific and a little older, but if I do buy a new current production gun, I usually try and find it at a local dealer because that will usually come very close in price. And like I say, look for what they give you also with it. It's not just the gun. You get the service. You may get extras with it. You get range time. You may even, you know, get a card for discounts in the future. So something like that could make a local gun store the package they offer could be a better deal than a gun show purchase. Now, another place that gun shows can really shine is in a project. Like if you're building a new AR-15, the gun show usually has a huge selection of parts and guns in various stages of assembly, so you can easily get what you need to finish an old project. Or <laughs> or you can pick up that new lower to start a new project, <laughs> which is always fun when it comes to AR-15s and Glocks. In fact, now... With the advent of 80% lowers, you can buy Glock lowers, you can buy AR-15 lowers in unfinished stages. And many times the gun shows sell these in kit form, so you have the kit to be able to finish the receiver you buy, whether it's an AR-15 or a Glock. or I believe I even saw, um, I believe it was SIG 320 frames that were unfinished, that you could actually bend and finish and make into a SIG frame. Now, the SIG is unusual in that it has an internal frame, and the grip fits over the top of it, and the slide goes on top of that. And all you have to do is make the frame part, and everything else can be purchased from SIG directly. 
Now, there's one other thing you can look for at gun shows that's, that is in abundance is literature, such as uh, books, old service manuals, how-to books. Now, for those of you who are a little younger, how-to books is how we did things before the Internet was around. We used books because that was the only thing you could do. Well, you could use books, but you could also use people who know. Now, that's another place where a gun show is an amazing source of information. There are people there who have been in the business a long time, have seen all kinds of things, have a lot of experience, and these are the people who you want to tap if you want to find out something. Say you have a weapon and you want to find out if it's a family heirloom or is it just a piece of junk but it still works. You know, if you have a family heirloom, you might be able to get a value, an assessment value, find out what it could be worth. Or who knows, if you're trying to sell it, you might even get offers taking it to a gun show because you get to present it to a bunch of different dealers at the same time. And usually these guys will know each other. And if they see something that they may not be an expert in, but they know someone is, they'll direct you to them and say, oh, the guy over there may know more about this than me. He's a collector. He does this kind of thing. This is his specialty. So it's a good place to bring something you have to get an assessment, or even a lot of times there are gunsmiths who are represented, and you can have them look at something quickly, see if they think it's safe. Now they may not be able to do it right there on the premises. They may have to take it with them. If they have a shop, they can tell you where it is, and you can either bring it to them there, or a lot of times they'll take it at the gun show, and you can go pick it up at their shop later after they've assessed it, looked at it, cleaned it, whatever they need to do to make sure it's safe if you have something really old. But I want you to keep in mind when you're talking to these people about your own weapon or, um, you know, just trying to find out something about something you have or maybe getting in the future, these guys are there to make money. That's how a lot of them make their living, from selling and trading at gun shows. So if you just want information, be very respectful of potential paying customers. When you ask these guys for an opinion or assessment, let them deal with the paying customers first because, remember, they are doing you a favor. They're looking at this gun, they're assessing it, and they're not going to make any money on that unless you intend on buying something from them anyway, or you're trying to sell it to them, in which case, you know, that takes the time. But, you know, just keep in mind, they're there to make money, and if you're not helping them make money, you're costing them time. Now, a lot of these guys, most of them are very friendly and will help you, but just try and keep that, keep that in mind when you're, when you're asking them for help. Now, another thing at the gun shows that I really like that you can't always get at the local gun show is apparel. You can get your favorite brands or cool pro-gun expressions, expressions printed on them. Also, military surplus is something you can usually find at gun shows. I mean, we're talking about camo clothing from shorts to winter coats, helmets, body armor. Now, body armor is something I'm going to cover in a later show. Someone had asked me about body armor, and I want to put together a show on that because there are so many different varieties, so many different types, so many different things to consider when you're getting something like this. But anyway, we're going to cover that later. And, you know, besides the helmets, coats, body armor, you got everything in between. Old cleaning kits, goggles, multi-tools. These are just a few of the things that I have found surplus at a gun show, at the tables and booths. Now, I know there used to be Army-Navy stores on almost every corner. And now they're much more difficult to find. So the gun show kind of fills the gap in this. So you can go there, and there are tables full of military surplus stuff. I mean, sleeping bags, thermal underwear, almost anything you can imagine. They probably have something there with a military stamp on it or a made-in-the-USA military use stamp on it. So something to consider. So I would say gun shows are good for a lot of things. Other things, the local gun store might be a better place to check. And a good local gun store will tell you. 
like I say, you're looking for a very specific part for something and they don't have it or don't know anybody who does, they may even recommend going to the gun show and looking there because there are a lot of guys who have been in this for years and they have stacks of old parts. They have advice. They have information. They have books. You know, anything you can imagine that the local gun store may not carry or you can't necessarily find online, you may be able to find at your local gun show. So now myself, I like to get some friends together. I go to the gun show, have a little lunch either before or after. Who knows? Maybe you have a wife or girlfriend, husband, boyfriend. You can make a a great day date. Well, good luck in trying to sell that one on the day date. But who knows? You know, who knows? Maybe your wife, girlfriend, husband, boyfriend. Maybe they're all for that, and that would be fantastic. But anyway... I just want to say, if you if you are not listening to the show now, but you want to hear it later or refer somebody to it, you can go to americaswebradio.com. Most of the shows are archived there. Or if you want to see it, which I don't know why you'd want to do that, but you can go to YouTube and go to America's Web Radio, and you can see most of our shows are archived on YouTube as well in their video and audio form. So keep that in mind when you're looking around and you have gun questions. If you have any gun questions, you can write me. Roger at americaswebradio.com, and I will do my best to answer it either on or off the show. If you have a subject matter you'd like to see discussed, send me an email at roger at americaswebradio.com, and I'll do my best. If you have comments, criticisms, I especially like, like the criticism, or you concur with everything. Either way, you can mention it. All right, we're coming to an end now. I want to thank you for listening. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.